Good morning to you, sir. <laughs> You're channeling your inner Irishman. Yeah, and immediately not ingratiating myself to my Irish brothers and sisters. My apologies. <laughs> but Patrick Foley Kennedy is a... a Wannabe. Is a, is a mighty Irish name. <laughs> I have a little bit in my favor, yeah. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, and welcome to another episode of The Light in Everything. It's a little podcast in your universe where we try to go deeper into the mysteries of Christianity. And we will begin, as we always do, with the Gospel of John in chapter 8. Again, he said to them, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Yeah, starting a new series. Nice. Really excited. Uh, mildly scared. Holy fear. Holy <laughs> fear. Oh, probably some, yeah, well, other stuff. A little stuff well. too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I think it just feels so important. You know, listeners to this podcast are very familiar at this point to a lot of biblical references when we talk. You know, we talk about the themes of life, things that are coming up, things of the soul, things that one wrestles with, big themes, and often are pointing to things that come from what this collection of pieces of paper with markings on it called the Bible. <laughs> sometimes called scripture. Yeah. And like Christianity itself, it's not an unproblematic thing. In fact, in many people's lives, it's actually been used in their life to wound, to, to injure. I, I I remember Kate and I early on, Kate, my wife and I, I think we were still living in Santa Cruz, California, where I was going to college. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. When a kind of small independent movie came out called Saved. Hmm. And it was about a young evangelical youth group um, and some drama that began to happen because one of them became pregnant and they were a teenager and just all of the drama that unfolded around it. And they're like head of the youth group um, was just like so disappointed and betrayed by her friend who had done this sin. And they're having this big argument while she's holding the Bible and she eventually actually throws the Bible at her. Ooh. It's this picture, right? Yeah. Yeah. To throw the Bible at someone. Yeah. Is it a term? It's a phrase. Yeah. Don't throw the Bible at me. <laughs> right? Like mm. turning this thing into something to wound. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I've done, a, I've been blessed in my life to do work, for example, in Atlanta, Georgia, in Auburn, Alabama, yeah. in Nashville, Tennessee, just like you have. Mm -hmm. And I would often be then sharing work from our renewal of religious life, let's say in a talk or in a workshop. And at the end, it happened again and again, people would come up and say, the way you're working with 
the word of scripture is a healing for me. Yeah. Because it is something I have run away from because of what it, how it was used in my life. Yeah. So, and, and there are other just simple experiences of people like, Oh, I wonder what's in the Bible. And they open it up and it's like Jesus walking on water, angels flying through the air, swinging incense, uh, uh, the wrath of God. Oh, things like the wrath of God <laughs> or like, you know, fire raining down on a whole city and white people being, there's a lot of stuff in there. Sure. That either is just hard to understand. Oh yeah. Unrelatable. Mm. Disturbing. Mm. Confronting. But or just, just hard to like, just, a, a way of speaking in a language like Jesus casting out demons, like <sighs> the scripture itself seems to have become dark, mm. both in the sense of knowledge as well as used in a kind of unholy, un- not evil way. I will even say it evil way. A so- experience of experiences of evil in people's lives have been connected to scripture. So it seems like, you know what, it probably would be a good idea since our the title of this podcast is The Light in Everything. How can we approach this book in our age in a wholly new way that can illumine this darkness? That the light of life would be connected to it and not this so many things that are actually of darkness that get connected with this book. Right. Right. Cause right. Cause we, we would want it to be something in which we could see the light of life. Yeah. Like he just describes, yeah. I am, you, you shall not walk in the darkness. You'll have the light of life. Like who doesn't want that? Like who, sounds I, great. Yeah. Light and life. Everyone wants that. And how do you find that in this, yeah. in this book? Yeah. Are you doomed to just pick out a few little quotes right. that make sense ah, to you? That's light. That's right? light giving. That's life giving. I'm just going to avoid that other stuff. Right. <laughs> right. That'd be one option. Yeah. And how do we make sense of the, the Bible as a weapon? In our lives, and the fact that it is opaque to so many. That's it. Opaque, like literally like a like a darkened window. You can't see through it right. to the being it wants to reveal, right. actually. Yeah. So I thought it'd be really great to just try to get into how we can start to approach it in a new way. And, and I think there's really no better way than just to ask, cause I'm also just totally interested how that has happened in your life. Wow. Like, cause I know mm-hmm. when you started your spiritual journey, you weren't like, let me grab the Bible. <laughs> you like many of us in our modern age, you grab the Tao Te Ching. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Right. Yeah. That's just totally factual. So yeah. When you, when, can you remember back to your first encounters with it and your reaction to it? When I was a boy. When I was a boy. Long time ago. <laughs> hey, where's my water, by the way? <laughs> oh, I know. I was just wondering. It's right over there. Okay. Thanks. 
Yeah, well, that's that's a great question. Um, yeah, I'll try to give a little picture here. So, indeed, when I w- the, my first relationship with a, a spiritual book was the Tao Te Ching, this Bible of Taoism by Lao Tse, um, and that was given to me by my father, my dear father, when I was in bed. 16 years old, 17 years old, with a torn meniscus in my knee. Mm. And I, for, for whatever reason, I had uh, to be in bed for a while. And with modern technology now, it's it's much quicker. Mm. But I started reading this book, The Tao Te Ching, and I was just, in, just fascinated with this picture of harmony mm. that you can find how to be in harmony with reality how to find the the true way mm. so to speak mm. how to be balanced with effortless effort these are some of the mysteries that it that it inspires and i read it probably a hundred times i don't know a lot i read it over and over again mm. Mm. Like you'd go straight through and then go back to the beginning yeah. or you just, yeah. Yeah. And then, or I'd like mark my favorite ones and oh, go yeah. back to them. And yeah. I was fascinated mm. with, with how to find the balance. But had you, had you like, I know you went through confirmation in the Christian community. Yeah. And oh yeah. Going to children's service, you certainly would have heard gospel readings. Indeed. Do you remember any, some of your first... Um, feelings or reactions to that? Well, I mean, <laughs> when I was when I was going to church, for me, the children's service and church itself was in general an inconvenience. It wasn't something that I wanted to be at. I wanted to be playing basketball and go- going to the donut shop down the road, which we did <laughs> afterwards, afterwards <laughs> church and a donut. But I do remember feeling moments of reverence and blessing, mm. um, in the children's service and also in the confirmation when I was confirmed, even though I didn't want to go. Um, so there was something going on on a deep level for me, but my conscious mind was not interested not. as so many of our children. But that also speaks to, yeah, for me, the Bible was something weird. And I heard these things, but it didn't. And what really, what really solidified it for me was when I was 14, I, I was invited over to my godparents' house that, who, you know, were my Christian community godparents. And, They, I had been over to the house many times and they told me, they took out the Bible and they quoted some passage. I don't even remember what it was. And began to tell me that if I didn't accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I would be going to burn in hell and for eternity. And that was, I really loved my godparents and I admired them. Mm. But they had had a conversion in their own lives, and that's why they were doing this now. Right. And they told me, you know, we can't be your godparent anymore. 
They divorced me, even though that's not possible, but they still did and said, God is all of our parents and we don't believe in the Mm. way that the Christian community does things. Mm. So that was very traumatic Mm. and very, it felt very hurtful on many levels. And I stayed up, I think that whole night, because I, I remember arguing with them saying, well, what do you mean? You're mm. telling me Gandhi is burning in hell? Mm. And they were like, yes. <laughs> and I was 14. And I, so I just, I was, they threw the Bible at me. Right. And I was, I, I remember staying up all night. You could see this religious soul in me staying up all night crying, praying to God, Lord, is this true? I can't believe it. And I remember just deciding, look, as far as I can feel and know, this can't be true. And so I'm going to make my stand, God. (laughs) And, And so in a way, that set me up a little bit against Christianity and or the version that came at me and the Bible. Right. And that continued. I mean, after I was confirmed, I told my mom, I'm never going to church again, especially not that crazy one. <laughs> and was drawn into the Dao Te Ching and to the, to the Eastern way. And even again, when I was working at the Rudolf Steiner College in Sacramento, California, right putting myself through university. Right. Pursuing spirit things, pursuing wisdom, pursuing uh, spirituality, practice. Uh, mostly Eastern. But avoiding. But I, yeah, like I was going to say, like in the bookstore, yeah, anything that said Christ or Christianity, I just looked the other way. The other way, yeah. So that especially applied to the Bible. Yeah. Especially right, it's like a, <laughs> a special level of avoidance. Like I'm right. definitely not picking that. I'm up. definitely not picking that up. <laughs> if if it says people are going to be burning in hell for all eternity, oh, at that point in my mind, that just couldn't be true. So, and I think lots of people can relate to that. Totally, right? um, totally. So it's very interesting when I look back on that self from my place now, where. If I were to go to a desert island with not only one book, I would take the Bible. I find that quite amazing. That, that's what I mean. Like <laughs> we were just just before we started, right? Like that's a long journey to get to that point. Yeah. Or well, maybe I'll say, at, yeah. When did it start to shift? How to, and and what was kind of a? I mean, you've shared in this podcast a number of times how Christ came into your life, which was not through the Bible. I think that's also really important. Right. It wasn't a book experience. It wasn't reading a book. Sometimes that happens for people. Sometimes it happens. In my story, there are some pieces of that. But you you had a direct encounter. Yeah. With him in your life. Yeah. And then with him in worship. Yeah. That was the other place in communion yeah so it was actually a spiritual meeting with this being of light and life right 
which, which then, and I've told that story, you know, that it really happened for me after encountering this part of me that was really dark, the mm-hmm. shadow being in me, or sometimes it's called the double or mm-hmm. this kind of beast in you. I had a first encounter with that. And then it was ironically, even though I promised my mom, I would never go to church again. Mm-hmm. I had an encounter at 23 of this being through the sacrament of the consecration of the human being through the priest. I had an experience of, of the light of life, the living being of Christ Jesus as an experience, experiential medicine for my heart. Yeah. <laughs> so utterly life related in the sense that it was born of a life circumstance. Yeah. Yeah and gifted you life energies. Right. And it's very important to, that's different than acquiring an idea or doctrine or or a doctrine that is true in all cases that I uphold. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Someone sat me down and convinced me with some arguments about an idea. Right. No, that was definitely not it. Yeah. And I would even say fundamentally, that is not a doorway to to the light of life to convince someone through argument well in fact when the two quote unquote godparents sat you down they were trying to convince you yeah. using the text yeah and energetically invasive persuasive pressure with fear with fear as the weapon to push you over the threshold right So isn't this an amazing conundrum? Because most of, very often, human beings in our time and our age and whatever, they don't like religion, they don't like Christianity especially, because of that exact reality. They've been pressured through fear and coercion to take up a certain point of view. Which they don't understand but must believe. I mean, or else they'll be burning in hell. It's like out. the definition yeah. of abuse and insanity. Yeah. That's, like that's, I, that's cult dynamic. Spiritual abuse. Yeah. Spiritual abuse, for sure. You're not coming to something out of the authentic process of a knowledge search within your soul and right. a dawning insight that leads to aha and wonderment and love. No, exactly. You're being pressured and threatened, exactly, and using relational bonds to kind of force you into a new identity. It's yeah. You could also say, well, if you want someone to become a communist, you can use that method, absolutely, or or a capitalist, or a terror, whatever. You're just you're you're gathering teammates on a specific yes, you know, mission to do some. Dark man, and 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 it turns out, it, it turns out that's not how I came to Christ. I know that's not how you came to Christ. I know that anyone I know that has an authentic relationship to the living light of life has not come in that way. There are people we know, I think who've been sat down by someone who've approached them with the Bible and shared with them how Christ came into their life Mm -hmm. 
shared with them some scripture that meant something to them. For sure. And in that conversation, someone had a conversion experience. Absolutely. But it has a, such a different character, doesn't it? Then I'm going to beat you over he- the head with some ideas from this book. As opposed to just sharing authentically this is your like experience. This is the most special thing that is happening. I really want to share this with that you. That is then reflected in this book. Yeah. Your experience that is reflected, reflected. in this book. So that, that really, I think, is a good distinction. When I share a, an authentic Christian that shares out of the Bible, shares it with without the, you could call it, the zealous need to make you think something different than what you do. And just shares, this is my authentic experience, and it's reflected here in this book too. So in that sense, you're describing one new approach to relating to scriptures that God is not in those markings on the page, but those markings reflect something. Yeah. Or it's a window into something, a type of lived experience. Again, for example, Paul of Damascus, he, he, he's not saying you have to read this book and believe the statements his whole conversion is an experience of an actual spiritual being called Jesus Christ who changes his heart, changes his whole being, and out of that experience then writes letters and words on a page. Okay. <laughs> so you, what I hear you saying is that actually Scripture, let's say take a letter from Paul, is a fruit of a Christ experience. Amen. Someone had a human has experienced Christ and is writing words in the hopes that others might be able to experience Christ through the encounter with those words. Exactly. But that the words and the are book not itself the thing. is not the thing. That would be what we call, and what all tradition would call, idolatry. Amen. The Bible can become an idol. Is that not amazing? It is facts. <laughs> yeah. Unless it's a window or a reflection, a mirror of an experiential reality, it is an idol. It's an idol. So it has to become an icon in that sense. It's to be a servant. Hmm. Of the human soul and its relationship to the divine. If, right. If it's, if we're making it our Lord, <laughs> we've set up a very strange situation. Right. And that's also reflected in things like in the Gospel of John when Jesus says, I'm going to, I'm going to go away. I'm going to ascend, but I'm going to send you the comforter, the spirit of God, the spirit of truth. And it's going to teach you everything. Yeah. And nowhere does he mention a book is going to teach you everything. Yeah. And that's quite 
that supports what we're saying. It's quite, but again, I'm quoting from a book only because it's a reflection of an actual lived experience. It expresses it really well. That's why you love it, right? But it's the, it's the experience that it's the being we love. That's it. It's the experience of that being. That's the thing. (laughs) And these words help us give language to those experiences and if we live in some of their pictures and words, they've been created in such a way that they can become a window and a doorway to new experiences, actually. Exactly. So important. Very important. So I would say then just in a nutshell, when I first, after this Christ experience that I had, I stopped avoiding the books that said Christ. Mm in the bookstore right. that I was working. And I started to be like, whoa, Give me some of that. maybe maybe I should look at this. Because <laughs> this was the most, this is the, this is the most incredible experience of my life at that point. And it just developed further and further and evolved. But when I picked up the Bible, even after that experience, I could only understand a few parts of it. Right. That because my experience was so new and I was just working to understand my experience, I could only understand a few parts of it. Right. And most of it was very opaque. I mean, did you, what did you do? Did you say, oh, I guess I'll read a gospel kind of thing and start reading? Yeah, I started reading a little bit. I was like, oh, okay. I don't quite, you know, Mm. there's, it just, in general, when I, even after a, a kind of conversion experience, the Bible was like a geometry book right. that oh, I, I I had to learn how to read. Yeah, I had this experience. I don't know how to read this book. I need new language. I need new experiences. But the fundamental experience of Christ helped me be even open to that exploration. Yeah. And then I would just say gradually, as I went through university, uh, university and then seminary, I was even in seminary and I still didn't know how to read the Bible. <laughs> I was first two years of priesthood. I was still growing Preach. and right, learning how to, which is weird maybe for some to hear. But I think this is a really important way of understanding this book is that we actually have to learn how to understand it. Yeah, that's a second for me. That's the second thing. So, so I feel like the first thing that came in such a beautiful way, like that I would want to put on our <laughs> banner, you know, this spiritual experience of Christ is the key to even finding your way in to the text, which is a reflection of an experiential world, yeah. a world of experiences. Yeah. And if it's not serving that and just getting in the way, it, it, it can't help you. That's right. And the reason it might not serve you or help you is because it's a language unto itself that That's is right. no longer the language of our time or world. Right. It was at one time the way people thought, spoke, and, and a set of a worldview. It was a way the world worked. So it wasn't so hard. You could hear it and, and you could relate to all these things that were spoken of. Right. That world has long passed away. And so you've actually had to learn a new language to, in order to enter the book. Yeah. Just like a calculus book. Like I need to learn certain things. Otherwise it's going to be gobbledygook to yeah, me. Yeah. 
or I'm going to misunderstand and think I understand, but I don't understand. Pick two words out of it and be like, it's this. Right? (laughs) But did you read the first chapter? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like you have to first learn a new language in order to start to understand. That language has to do with experience. Now, that was my way Mm -hmm. of experiencing and then learning how to see those experiences reflected in the gospel. I've had a few experiences of actually entering the window of the gospel to have new experiences. Let's talk about that. Right? (laughs) Which I think is really one of, one of your many gifts, but I, I really appreciate how I think that's actually, if I can be so bold (laughs) as your friend to say, that's, I think that's your main gift Mm. is to be able to enter the gospel as scripture, like a, like a stained glass window that reveals a reality. So either you experience a reality and then you see it reflected in the scripture, or you're able to enter the scripture like a window to an experiential reality. That's really, I would say, the crux of what the book, it's either a mirror or a window. Ooh, I love it. (laughs) The mirror and the window. So something of a real experience I've had is reflected in this text. And then it has meaning and, and I can relate to it. Or I've learned to live into it in such a way that it opens up to an experience. And the book actually disappears and suddenly I'm in an experience. Exactly. So I'd love to hear about your experience too, but I just want to say that means then that the gospel is not a book. Okay. The gospel is experiential reality of the way that God works in and through Jesus Christ from the beginning of time to the end of time. And that, that is an experiential reality that is kind of an open secret that can be known through your heart, mind experience, either like a mirror or like a window. Beautiful. Yeah. But that's just, normally when we say the gospel or scripture, we think of... Pieces of paper. Pieces of paper, of course. It's got a a little spine in the back. It's got a book, says Holy Bible on the front. Exactly. But we really, it really, at its core, it's, it's an experience of the living reality of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and to even that phrase, experience of the living reality of a person, mm. that also already helps, that it's not... Mm. Historical information. Mm. Could be a window to historical information, but a window into a meeting with a being, right, right person. Now. Yeah. But I know 
that when you say the two sounds, Jesus Christ, <laughs> that a whole universe is, in, is included in that, a whole community is included in that, a whole individuality is included in that. For most people, that's at most a semi-historical figure from 2,000 years ago and isn't big enough. So it would just be important for me just to make, to add that means also the whole cosmos, mm. sun and the moon and the stars, mm. the world, nature, the human beings, humanity, communities, culture, history, all of reality. <laughs> all of reality is connected to the mystery of the secret of the human being who is this person. So it's big for us, of course. It's big. It's very, it's big. very, very big. So you can't fit that in a book, in a physical <laughs> book. But you can fit it in the book of reality. Right. It's written into reality. Books are an image. Everything around us is an image of an invisible reality. And that's principle you've just articulated relative to the Bible. Mm. The Bible isn't the book in your shelf how many editions do you have right in this room? Like, which one is the right one? You know what right, I mean? Right. That's not the thing, but it can be a doorway to the thing or a mirror or a window to the thing or a mirror to yeah. the thing. I think it's a yeah. really beautiful mm -hmm. place mm -hmm. to start. I think the window piece for me, just to stay with that for yeah, a second. Yeah, please, because I'd like to. Yeah. That shows its relationship to the mystery of liturgy. Mm -hmm. So that a, a worship service isn't the thing but it too is meant to mirror an experience or become a window to a new one it's Amen. the exact same purpose it's the exact same purpose the sacrament is is the same as the book in a way fundamentally yeah. meant to be an icon so it would be not if you were just seeing this the priest as this person in these funny clothes <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, now I'm going to be, now Patrick is going to talk for an hour. That, that, that's not becoming a window. That's not becoming a mirror of a higher reality. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And it too can be opaque for people. Oh, totally. It was opaque for me. 100%. I remember, you know, when I was, before I had this experience, it was just, it was just boring. Right, it was just just boring, <laughs> just boring, and pointless. Yeah, amazing. And as soon as I had that experience, it became something I knew I would never stop doing. Yeah, I mean, it's quite amazing. Oh, it's, it's, it's totally incredible. <laughs> so then, it's no longer about convincing, but rather setting up circumstances for people to potentially have experiences. Yeah, over which I have zero control. Is between them and the divine world. Sounds like priesthood. Sounds like all our work, right? Like <laughs> all our work, seminary yet. life. That's why mm. it's, but who would want it any other way? So yeah. I'm doing distance learning program right now. And once again, just beginning a discipleship approach with humans around the world. And then I'm having my individual conversations with them. And they're describing about how God is entering their life. And I have tears in my eyes because like, how did that happen? <laughs> it's, you can't say it's because there was no convincing argument. 
Mm-mm. For sure. But I shared some pictures and thoughts, pointed in some directions. The person took it up and things went, things opened. Yeah. The window happened. Yeah. If the window, if it, the window doesn't happen, then it's just like cardboard. It's just pulp. It's just wood pulp. There's a nothing. It's an emptiness. But if the window happens, then it's not even, I've just said, here's a window. Go, go look over there and see what you see. And if it opens for them, it opens for them. But I can't do it. It's an event in their being. Right. I mean, even I find it interesting that we've had reflections from various people about this podcast. Right. That it also has become a window. It's, we can't, and we're not trying to convince anyone. We're, we're just trying to have a conversation together, <laughs> sharing our, yeah. our realities that become something of an icon for through some. which, for some, through which other people move on. Yeah. Go listen to another podcast. Exactly. It's not our control. <laughs> yeah. Uh, incredible.